And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. Hey, Frank, a little birdie told me you don't need a satellite dish to get DirecTV. What's the little birdie? Was it Jimmy the Sparrow? It's a figure of speech. Point is, you can stream DirecTV over the internet now. Oh, sure. Next you're going to tell me those big birds are made of metal and filled with people, right? <laughs> you mean airplanes? Stream DirecTV without a satellite dish. Visit DirecTV.com. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. folks, welcome into On to Waveland. It's the Cubs podcast here at The Athletic. I am Brett Taylor, joined by Sahadev Sharma and Patrick Mooney. We are here uh, on one of our periodic off-season update pods. And I know that um, some of you have been eager to hear from us, so we are looking forward to speaking to you unidirectionally, at least. And um, I think, with good reason, it was pretty hard to try to put one together last week, because as we will discuss uh, for a great deal of this podcast, last week was pretty crazy in the Cubs world and pretty unexpected. Uh, by now, all of you know, of course, that the Cubs hired Craig Council to be their new manager um, more or less as soon as he hit free agency, uh, firing David Ross in the process, about which we will also speak. Uh, but I want to start just with your guys' version not not so much version of events but you know how did monday play out for you as you know i remember i i was following the news that morning and thinking okay he's gonna it looks like he's gonna make his decision today so that i'll be on that watch today and you know probably the mets maybe goes back to the brewers and i just it was very i was treating it as important because who manages the Brewers is important to Cubs fans, but I was pretty blasé about the whole thing. I was just, and I wonder if it was the same for you guys in terms of truly this being so completely off the radar. Yeah, it, absolutely off the radar. And I'll tell you this, I was in my hotel room and I was procrastinating, heading to the resort. Uh, I knew Patrick had just gotten into town Um and, and it was kind of like, oh, I'll jump in the shower and head to the resort. Jed's not going to be here for a little while, so I won't miss him. Uh, you know, it, it kind of just it was was just like going through the motions. And then suddenly that tweet pops up from Ken. Like the five minutes before that, when the other tweet from Ken that said it's going to another team. Right. It still didn't fully like hit me that it could be the Cubs. And I was texting with some people no. and and the Cubs never came up. We all like none of us came to the conclusion of the Cubs. Uh, it, and I literally <laughs> was like, okay, fire off text to as many people as I know that can like get more information on this and say, call me when you can, whatever. Uh, and then it was like uh, the the scene in The Simpsons where, where the guy, where there's a nuclear meltdown and the guy's just running in a circle like, oh my God, oh my God, oh my God. I'm like, what do I do next? What do I like? The, do I take a shower? Do I just uh, not shower and run? To, like, I don't know what to do. Uh, and 
and <laughs> and you know just went from there it was I, I don't know there was like there were a few people that took issue with the word like shock the baseball world uh and i guess that's just you're going to find that all the time on on twitter so maybe i shouldn't take anything from that but i i didn't talk to a single person that last week who wasn't just like completely shocked by the move i think that's the most shocked i've been by any move i've covered over what a decade and a half now of, of doing this uh i, I never ne- didn't see it coming um and we can talk about why i think it actually the more i think about it the more after yesterday's presser and everything it's the right move uh baseball wise no doubt about it but i i just like i did not see it coming i didn't i just didn't realize it was a uh, on the table and uh you know kudos to jed for for having the guts to do it it's the right baseball move i don't think any of us would disagree that council is top three if not number one when it comes to managers currently in the game uh so it's just a shocking move and i still now that even while thinking back on it i'm still a little taken aback that it all happened it was a little surreal but it's uh you know, it's it's he he impressed me yesterday. I already knew it always impressed me. How many times on this podcast have I said, I you know I'm a doubter of the Brewers, and they always but but they <laughs> and I know I'll be wrong. I always say that. I say I I don't believe that they're going to win. I don't believe that they're going to win the division. And then they prove me wrong. And I think Craig Council is a big reason why they've consistently done that. I mean, we were asking around about this possibility towards the end of. September and I thought it was a you know a real option on the table like when a team collapses in that manner the manager takes the heat um unless you kind of it's very rare <clears throat> a team like the Diamondbacks where Mike Hazen says I built this roster those 100 losses are on me we're sticking with Tori Lavelle like that's not generally how professional sports work but when like the owner comes out and says Dave Ross, he's our guy, he can lead us to a World Series, and Jed Hoyer raves about the job that David Ross did for the most part, except for you know maybe don't bunt so much next year. And I thought there were ways for them to kind of clamp down on some of Ross's instincts. Uh, they start making uh, changes to his coaching staff. They're subtractions and at least you know one addition and you know as much as i was kind of kicking myself for not being like dude they did this before uh to a guy in rec renteria who was not nearly as accomplished or as invested in the organization um i underestimated how much how restless council was in milwaukee that became clear uh in listening to his responses uh, on Monday. Um, But at the same time, like David Ross was doing his job that Monday morning, acting, operating as if he's going to be the manager next year, like doing manager things, preparing for next season. And Jed Hoyer shows up at his house unannounced. So like if David Ross was totally blindsided and you, this was not, anywhere out in the baseball universe. I mean, clearly Jed Hoyer kept this a very tight circle and Craig Council is known as someone who keeps things close to the vest. 
and so that's kind of you know, where I am at, you know, a week and a day uh, after. It truly did shock the baseball world. I mean, Sahadev put it right. Like, just walking around um, that resort, bumping into people, it was on everyone's mind. Yeah, uh, story of the week, not, right? Yes, absolute story of the week. And it was not even on any of those GM meetings previews that were released the day before. Yeah. <laughs> Including ours. Yeah, n- number one. Number one, Craig Council to the Cubs. Number two, everyone has diarrhea. <laughs> uh, I think was that's that was the list that I saw. Um, so I want to comment a couple things um, on that. You know, similarly, I was I was shocked as well. And I mean, and I I trade in in fringe rumors behind the scenes that I I wouldn't ever publish or write up. But I mean, I hear crazy shit, and this was just simply not anything that anyone heard. Um, and so I was, I was floored. It was the most stunned I've been. And I also have been doing this about a decade and a half and it was the most stunned I've been. And I think what's interesting about that is usually when something absolutely floors you, uh, it is at least in part because you have trouble squaring how it makes sense. And then maybe eventually you figure it out and you come to see, okay, I guess this does. Whereas this one, it's not as if it didn't make sense. I mean, it made sense from thing one. And part of why it was so shocking is exactly what Mooney was saying, that David Ross was going about his business as the manager. He had been described by his boss and his boss's boss as as the guy. He was under contract. His stewardship these last four years had been solid. Um, you know, there are, of course, periods of time where I took issue with some decisions he made, but clearly he's good behind the scenes. Clearly he's good in the clubhouse. Clearly he gets a lot out of his players. And so, and, and he was dealing with the pandemic at the beginning and then the lockout and the rebuild. There were a lot of reasons to think it was justifiable that the Cubs would bring him back next year. And yet, and yet would anyone have been stunned even half the level of stun we were last week if the Cubs had fired David Ross at the end of September. No, right? Might have been might have been a mild surprise, but it, it was on our radar. And so I think that's a part of this that it's not as if I'm, I'm kicking myself for not thinking about it sooner, um, because again, everybody was stunned. It's I, I, I mention it more just as a reinforcement of how much sense this makes. It isn't it isn't just about uh, one of the best managers in the game became available, had an interest in staying in the Midwest, et cetera, et cetera. And you pounce and you, you take advantage of that. Obviously go kudos to the Cubs for doing that. But also it isn't as if <clears throat> for as much as I may like David Ross and think he was capable of doing the job, capable isn't quite the word that you want at any point place that you can upgrade. We think about this with players all the time, right? The Cubs have capable options at third base right now. I think Nick Madrigal's defensive ability, Patrick Wisdom's power, Miles Mastroboni was probably better than his numbers showed last year. It's capable, but we wouldn't think twice if the Cubs wanted to go out and get an upgrade, right? And so I think that I just think that um, you can have it both ways. You can be kind and thoughtful and appreciative of what David Ross did both long-term in the organization and as a manager and think he was not bad at his job. I do not think he was bad at his job, but also you can think, 
Well, of course the Cubs ditched him when they had a chance for Craig Council. It isn't just about getting Craig Council. It's that maybe that's an area they can upgrade. And and that's that's as far as it goes. Yeah, just in general, I think, you know, you, you talk about managers, you talk about David Ross. I think he was in the middle tier, and that's a large group of managers. That's Most of the managers in baseball are in the middle tier. Uh, and and the way it was put to me by some players was, yeah, he's a good he, – he's fine. He's not a needle mover uh, is what it was said. And, and I took that – and. Like a, you talk about everything, all the aspects, right? Like handling the media, I think, is probably the lowest on fans' uh, radar. But that's part of the gig, right? You have to do it every day, multiple times a day during the season, spring training and postseason, right? And and that you, you don't represent the team well, it's going to look bad eventually, right? Like Matt Eberflus looks like a, a goober up there half the time <laughs> uh, for the Bears, and that looks bad, right? Whether it, whether it matters to the players or not, it just looks bad. Uh, so Ross is, is good at that, right? He was solid with the with the clubhouse. Uh, you can you can debate how he handled September and if that lost uh, lost some people or frustrated some people. Um, but ultimately, he he was strong in that aspect. In game, everybody knew that was not his strength, right? It, like fans understand that. We understand that. Um, the players understood that. They looked at Andy Green as the tactician, right? Not not David Ross. I'm not saying Andy Green did everything. He didn't because it's David Ross's decisions. But Andy Green was the guy that's looked at as like that's the smart, that's the in-game guy. That's the guy that if if you have a tactician in the in the dugout, that's who it is, right? And so when when you consider all that, right, just an average manager, and when you have the opportunity to get the best manager now if david ross had three years on his contract i wonder how different this would be uh he had a year left he he was going into a prove it season it was a like do you debate whether to pick that option up or not like jed would have had that debate over the next three months too he probably wouldn't have wanted to go into the season having to decide do i pick this option up or not because think about how much we'd, we'd be on top of that. It's like, you haven't picked up the option yet? Oh, you just lost five games in a row. Are you not going to pick that option you up? Remember, remember Joe yeah. Madden's yeah. lame duck year? Jed, Jed That's doesn't want to do that, year. especially to to a guy that he's you know close with. Apparently, he's willing to do other things <laughs> to a guy that he's close with. Uh, but ultimately, I think that's the decision. Think about, here's here's a scenario. Here's the worst-case scenario for Jed, I think. They, they fall flat in 2024. He loses faith in Ross. He has to let him go. And he just missed on the guy that he thinks is far and away the best manager in baseball, a difference maker, right? And I think that is the worst case scenario. And he mu- that must have been going through his mind, as well as the fact that these opportunities don't come up that often. How often do these guys hit free agency? Terry Francona, Craig Council, Joe Madden, uh, uh, Bob... Uh, what Bruce Bochy, Bob Bochy, uh, <laughs> Bruce Bochy, like these guys aren't always available and and it, it doesn't always make sense for you at the time. Right. It, it, it was almost the perfect fit, but not quite because he had to he had to go fire David Ross, a man who already had a job and hire uh, their chief rival, one of their chief rivals, uh, former managers. So, it, I mean, it, it I understand uh, why some people like don't don't want to even talk about the human aspect of it. But there is a human aspect. But pure baseball-wise, I don't think there's much of a debate here. I, I don't think there's anything to debate. Um, 
but I think there there is some value in just thinking about like the human aspect. We, we do it when we talk about service time manipulation, when we talk about the treatment of minor leaguers, all these things. There is a human aspect. That doesn't mean you don't have to completely, that doesn't mean you just don't go all out to win, but sometimes you have to think about these things. And it's not even just the human element. I think it's just some of these total disconnects that I think should be pointed out. Like, why was there this perception that David Ross could be the next great manager, the next great counsel? Because the Cubs told us that for years, even when he was still a player. And like, I'm sorry, I don't think this roster was like the 1927 Yankees. I mean, Jed Hoyer himself said, yeah, I kind of tied Rossi's hands there with the bullpen. Like, it didn't work out. And and I think it's reasonable to say, you know, he basically did what the Cubs wanted. Like, he had to wear a lot of decisions that were made far above his head. And I think pointing out some of those things is not, like, blindly defending David Ross. Uh, Part of the reason, you know, our coverage stretched over two days with some of these Ross angles was because Jed did not talk to any media publicly after making this decision. So yeah, some of the raw stuff spilled over into two days. And like calling this sneaky and awkward is just factual, okay? That doesn't mean it's (laughs) the wrong decision. It's not, doesn't mean it's a bad decision. Uh, It's very clear that David Ross positioned himself to replace Joe Madden. I mean, Joe Madden was in that lame duck year and and David Ross um, believed he could do this job um and so like get it it's it's professional sports all these things happen but just pointing out some of these things and you know i I just don't think it's fair to like totally trash a guy as soon as he's fired i I think that is uh an overreaction as well because david ross checked a lot of the boxes the cubs were looking for Uh, i just think this was jed Jed Hoyer's philosophy is trying to, for almost everything, is to take some of those unknowns off the table, is to like shrink those probabilities of like worst case scenarios. And clearly, Craig Council uh, is an upgrade. He's more accomplished. Uh, he's more experienced. He has the benefit uh, of being new. And one of the things I liked about Council yesterday is probably what some of the thoughts that were running through David Ross's minds in terms of pushing Jed and Carter's buttons and, you know, maybe not falling in love with all of the propaganda coming out of the Cubs system of, like, how great everything is. Like, I I think it it will be healthy for Craig Council to be uh, a counterweight or some form of checks and balances here as because the Cubs clearly, as an organization were not good enough this year, and that was not just David Ross. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. 
Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. I want to extend that a little bit because I think <clears throat> I think you make a good point that is going to eventually maneuver us into some off-season discussion stuff. But I think um, the Cubs coaching staff, front office, the entire apparatus um, has become very cohesive over the last three years. That was by design. That was there was an attempt intentionally to implement structures that would allow really smooth communication between the minors and the big leagues, the flow of information, the way you're developing players, all these things were there. There was a very intentional effort that started back in late 2019 to improve those processes. Um, And that has been very successful from my vantage point um, in terms of building out the farm system, developing players in a way that they just hadn't quite been before that. Um, Two, two things about that. One, um, there's also risk when you become that insular and you're not having voices come in and out. You're, you're just sort of, you know, and, and I think we've heard this from the front office before. We've heard it from, we heard it from Theo Epstein was around and we've heard it from Jed Hoyer that you don't want to get so wrapped up in your own things that you forget that uh, there's a world outside your bubble that might have ideas, might have useful things to bring to bear. The other thing is the loss of Craig Breslow, which we have not had a chance to discuss on the podcast, is going to be a real test for one, how the Cubs incorporate new voices into the front office, because in in some ways, that's two jobs to replace, because Breslow was not only the, the chief of pitching, so to speak, for the organization, he was also one of only two, I think, assistant GMs, right? Because after they, they yeah, left for the Blackhawks and then to the Tigers, um, so, you know, in a way, the Cubs have two positions to fill uh, in the departure of Breslow, who got the top job with the Red Sox for a reason. He's a very important voice in the organization. And this now is going to be a test of how well those processes and institutionalization, uh, how how effective that's been over the last three years, because you need to be able to lose rising stars and not fall apart because of it. And I think I'm intrigued by the possibility that, in a way, Craig Council is now one of those external voices coming to join the organization. Now, to be clear, he's being hired as the manager, and that will entail a great deal of responsibilities that aren't involved in what I'm talking about. But because of his extensive experience with the Brewers being an instrumental part of I mean, that talk about an integrated operation between what they were doing in the front office and with the coaching staff and with players in the minor leagues at the big league level. That was one big, well-oiled machine. And uh, Council was a key part of that. And so I'm very intrigued by what he can bring to the front office and player development and scouting and, and these these extra things that I'm not saying David Ross wasn't a part of those conversations. He assuredly was. 
but I think that you, you kind of get two things at once on this side with council. You get an external voice that the Cubs have, I think, needed. And then also you get someone who has a lot more experience doing it. Uh, you touched on a lot there. A couple quick things I want to touch on. Uh, as far as Breslow leaving, I think one underrated aspect that I thought we focused on at the higher and, and has kind of gone under the radar since Breslow left, but Carter Hawkins came from Cleveland a great pitching or pitching development organization. And he's been involved in that aspect. Still, he oversees everything. I love the way he described it because it was described to me by uh, a lot of people over the past two years about how how his role works. But he said on the radio yesterday, Jed's kind of like the CEO, right? Jed's focus is just making sure that everything is fine. Like, okay, if there's something major that needs to come my way, let me know, but I'm focused on the MLB team and putting together this roster and taking care of this group everything below Carter you are in charge of making sure there's constant communication between all these different groups and a big thing was when he came in he over like he kind of went through all the different departments seeing how things were running seeing how communication between the departments and collaboration was working Um, and he kind of he liked a lot of what he saw with pitching so I think he he can kind of continue that and, and he identified who else in that group is strong and I, there will be some promotions and, and I'm sure they'll be announced soon enough. Uh, I, I think uh, Patrick and I have identified two names in Casey Jacobson and Ryan Otero as two guys that they really like uh, and, and will be, you know, instrumental in keeping things going with the pitching development. Uh, as far as counsel, I thought it was really interesting what Jed said in a side session. Patrick and I weren't there, but we, we listened, I listened to the, uh, sound afterwards and and he said there are few managers in the game or few people in the game that he thinks can do both do be like a, a baseball ops guy and be a manager uh, he you know council he thought council was going to take over for and I'm forgetting it's not Gordash but it was whoever was Doug Melvin thank you uh, he thought he was going to take over for Doug Melvin uh, as GM there that's how highly he thinks of him he, he said, Council, Breslow, uh, A.J. Hinch. And A.J. Hinch, everywhere he's been, has basically basically been said that's the second most powerful person in the org, if not the most powerful person in the org, as far as baseball uh, decisions are. Uh, and I, I think Council is going to have a pretty big, like, he's not trumpeting himself as some powerful, all, you know, almighty being in this organization, but I think he will have some decent, some pretty big say. And and it's you just all you had to do was listen to him yesterday. Uh, you pointed it out, Brett, and I I noticed it during the presser. But he said he said uh, one of my philosophies is just stack one small decision upon another. Keep doing it small. And I was like looking at Jed. I'm like, is he going to reach over and like hug him like right now? Because yeah. <laughs> how often has Jed said that? And another thing that stood out to me is this guy's clearly smart. This guy like clearly it's not just baseball smarts he's an intelligent person but he doesn't try and bash you over the head with it he doesn't try and like throw a bunch of big words at you or confuse you and show off how intelligent he is in fact he tries to disarm you he talked about how scared he was he talked about like i like when he said stuff like that i was like i like this dude like he's not he's so comfortable in his body he's able to admit like his weaknesses but they're not weaknesses. He uses them as strengths. Like, he wants the challenge. He wants to be a little scared and uncomfortable because he thinks that'll make him better. 
and like he under like the a lot of that stuff i was impressed with like i i it just uh, like i was a i didn't realize how like you know you until you're like around someone i guess you don't really understand it but i've only been in like two scrums with council and for random games you know you didn't like 10 minutes at the most this was 35 minutes of him talking about a lot of different subjects and everything he seemed to really have unique insight or and whether it was unique or not it was just the way he expressed it felt there there was a quiet confidence almost like he wasn't trying to like prove himself there was never any time where he felt like he needed to prove himself and a lot of times when people were like why are you so great he's like i'm not i don't know like what you mean by that essentially but here's how i think about things and and when he explained that it's like oh yeah i get that and then the disarming factor i think like he talked about it you talked about it with player development brett and he talked about it too that factor like he under like if if you can express to a player that you're like stressed and con- concerned and, and a little worried, they understand like, Oh, my feelings are like that. That's how I'm feeling. I, I put all this pressure on the world on myself. Like, how do I get past this? And, and council obviously knows how to do that and he can work with the player and, and maybe make them feel at ease. I know there were some guys that came up this year that I thought it was obvious. They were stressed out and overwhelmed. I mean, it talked to Matt Mervis for five minutes last summer and, and it was like, Oh man. Okay. Like it's going to be okay, man. You're it'll work out. Just don't, don't overthink things. It, it, I almost wanted to say that to the guy because I could tell just like interviewing him. Uh, so maybe that's, maybe he can help uh, in, in though. And I just think it's going to, he's going to be in, impactful in more than just on field management, right? He He's so aware of all that goes into this. And he's done so many things, and I think he can excel in multiple areas that I think it, it has a chance to be a very impactful hire, like in multiple ways, not just wins on the field in the sense of like in-game strategy. And I'm going to – this is what I want to write today about his in-game strategy, but it goes beyond that. I think there's something to the human element that he brings uh, that ties it all in, ties it all together, and really makes him an impactful hire. I think that's what makes it this Cubs team so fascinating because, like, if it doesn't work, we're not going to be blaming Craig Council, right? Like, maybe Matt Mervis is just an undrafted college senior and you have Jed Hoyer. And I think that that had to have factored into his calculus of, okay, you have David Ross on that. I mean, we wrote, even if we missed Craig Council... We wrote, like, the day after season ended, like, David Ross is on the hot seat. Like, that was the headline. That that was the contours of this coming season. And, you know, if you fire the manager in your... With only one season on your own contract as a head of baseball operations, like, you only have so many options or so many times you can uh, play that card. And, you know, I do think... Uh, what I wrote for this morning is something that, you know, had to be mentioned uh, in terms of ownership's commitment on this. I think, justifiably, the Ricketts family uh, has been criticized at times. Um, but, like, if you're looking uh, at other teams in baseball or other professional organizations in this city like i don't know you mentioned eberflus like the cubs aren't hiring 
training wheel guys who need training wheels to do these jobs like Theo Epstein, Joe Madden, Craig Council. Like there is a willingness there uh, to go big and bold and hire Theo instead of like Ben Sherrington or some other like assistant GM. And it's okay. Giving Joe Madden a World Series bonus to where he's making six million annually. Theo is making like around ten million by the end of his time there. Craig Council, the highest paid manager uh, in the history of baseball, and you know when I asked Tom Ricketts, you know, how this changes the calculus, he says, not really. You know, Jed was still going to go all out to put the best team on the field possible, and I think that you know is really why Craig Council is here right now. I mean, he's seen the difficult decisions they've made. <laughs> And he doesn't have to wear those difficult decisions. He gets to reap the benefits of a better farm system, of a solid major league nucleus, and this flexibility that they have to pursue players the Brewers wouldn't even consider for a second. As an aside, I don't think there is a Bears fan in the city that wouldn't love to have the Ricketts family owning the Bears. Uh, so, you know, and I, I, that's, I don't offer that necessarily as a defense of the Ricketts family. I just, God, I didn't, I didn't think we were going to have two Eberflus mentions in, in this podcast. I guess we haven't talked in a while. So I just, ugh, I just shudder when it's, things are not going I mean, so even well. The, even there. the building um, that press conference took place in next to a totally renovated stadium. Like, They've gotten stuff done. Like it's been, it's been messy at times. Uh, that it's not perfect, but like, you know, to to pull off a move like this takes, you know, the financial support from ownership and also an owner who's willing to let people do their jobs. You know, this isn't. You know, I mean, Artie Moreno was what interviewing managerial candidates for the Angels. Like you hire good accomplished people and let them do their jobs and that's like super basic but it doesn't always work that way with with billionaires who have uh, an idea of how things should be done speaking of which then we'll we'll just hit on a little bit of off-season thoughts in relation to the council move now i know oh, what you just said mooney in terms of what uh, ricketts told you um and also Jed Hoyer has said the same, you know, that like, hey, this this doesn't mean da 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 But a couple things, and I believe, Sahadev, you've noted this. Um, it has been interesting, though, to see the language used around the offseason is different this year than it has been the last two. I have not yet seen intelligent spending uh, anywhere. I don't think... And so I think that's worth pointing out. And then the other thing is uh, that it that I think we should keep in mind though. Um, I'm actually, this is in the other direction. Managers, generally speaking, unlike players don't have aging curves. And so it is true that if you're signing Craig council for five years, that's not the same as when you go out and you sign, you know, Trey Turner <coughs> to a monster deal or Xander Bogarts to a monster deal. Those teams know that they have a relatively limited window where the guy's going to be at his best impact. And so you do that move in tandem with some pretty express expectations that you are going to push in significantly that year, the next year, you know, so on. Um, that isn't necessarily true with a manager, like hiring Craig Council right now, even as shocking as it was, as, as um, 
exciting as it was, that doesn't necessarily mean that 2024 specifically is the year that they are going to ball out and really push it. Now, I can make the argument they should for other reasons. I would have made the argument that this was an offseason to be particularly aggressive, even in the absence of Craig Council arriving. So, uh, you know, we can have that conversation and we will as the offseason plays out. But I want, I think, Cubs fans to hold those two things in their mind that this can play out over multiple years. So, so you know, keep that in mind. But also the language has definitely been different. Yeah, I, I think it, it's going to be really hard to nail down things until we start getting leaks and can and can like uh, dive into things differently because it's going to be Patrick and our, my job to figure out who it is. But I do think there's someone that they're going to either acquire via trade or sign, maybe both, that isn't... I shouldn't say isn't obvious, but they're being coy about right now, right? Like, ju- well, look at what. Not to cut you off, you, you can you can keep going, but like, look at what just happened with council. Right. Nobody knew right. that that was happening. Right, and I mean, uh, Passon wrote it, and I'd heard it last week, but it, leaks on Shohei Otani are just not going to happen, right? If they happen, they're coming from the team side. Uh, it, it's it's really hard to get information there. Uh, it just like. Here's the guy that I think makes a ton of sense if you're going to go hard. The problem is I think a lot of teams are going to do that. It's Yamamoto. Why? He's 25. What is Jed Love? 25, 26, 27-year-old free agents. That's all he – like when, when he talks about it, it's always about age. If he's willing to go the years, it's going to be the younger guys. I don't know if they blow, blow out uh, – go all out for him. I'm just saying he makes sense if you're trying to connect the dots and what we know about – jet right and then maybe you you talk about spending big on bellinger but it's not gonna be what boris wants and that's just when uh the morosi uh tweet or whatever yesterday about about how uh he's not a priority or whatever i think that's what comes have other yeah, priorities well, but that's what we've been saying for the past month the we, we didn't say the cubs have other priorities but the point was the cubs aren't going to wait aren't, aren't going to wait for this process to drag out they have to get other things done because there's two things that are going to happen either this is going to drag out with bellinger and nobody gives uh gives him what he wants the insane deal that boris is going to ask for or someone will and that's not going to be the cubs right the cubs aren't going to be played here they're not doing that uh so like so that's been kind of known, right? The Cubs have to have other priorities because they can't sit and wait for Bellinger. Uh, I, I don't. I, I think that's going to be fascinating. What What is it? What are they going to do? Is it a trade for Pete Alonso? Are they going to be aggressive for Juan Soto? It, it's just Jed is almost certainly being very coy about this intentionally because he does not like to get like like give his hand. He there there were some hints last year that he preferred Dansby Swanson. Like we have to, we're gonna have to really read between the lines and figure out which ones to take the most seriously. It's always a game like that, right? But he's not. I felt like maybe I'm misremembering, but didn't it feel like it was more like targeted in 15 and 16. It's like we knew, like we knew Lester was the priority over Scherzer, and uh, was it Jordan Zimmerman was the other big pitching free agent at, at that season, whatever it was. Uh, we we knew that right like it was almost like 95 percent sure everyone was like zeroed in on lester then the year after that it's like everyone's zeroed in on on uh jason hayward like we they they had like these things that you kind of knew 
where they were headed. I think you can improve it. You can, you they need an ace, right? They need a swing and miss miss ace. They need a middle of the order bat, and they need bullpen help. They need help in all areas. I think it's a weak bat class, so maybe that's what drives me towards Yamamoto. But I'm just saying, like it's, I'm very <clears> curious <throat> to see how this plays out because I think there, are, there has to be an aggressive move or, or two, and then you fill out like you do the small right, like the small moves, which could be like Reese Hoskins. I don't think that's a small move, but I think fans would see that as a small move. But there's going to be multiple moves and at least one or two ones that you're like, oh yeah. That, that moves the needle. That's going to help this team. I, I think it has to be that way. And I get what you're saying when you say it doesn't all have to be done this year. I agree. But something. Like, you need to improve the team, right? You can't you, you can't take it. Like, what else was Craig Council saying? Well, this is close. The, 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 the follow-up is it's not there yet, right? <laughs> so, so you got to get there. And I'm not saying it all gets done. Like, he even said it doesn't get done by tomorrow. But you have to make progress. Like both of you were saying, I was tracking the like Jed-isms that Council was saying. It was stacking good decisions, uh, organizational health, and just this idea of choices. And that Jed can go in a lot of different directions. I think that's part of why he's being coy. And, oh, by the way, they have $21 million coming back to them that is not no longer committed to Marcus Stroman, which... Uh, you know, I think the Cubs were uh, <coughs> surprised by, but totally fine with that news. That that gives them an opportunity to maybe get a little more impact in the rotation. I think they know that when you have teams like the Mets and Cardinals saying we need two or two plus starters, like it's going to be uh, the Dodgers and <clears throat> Braves as well, coming off disappointing playoff. Um, trips that were largely uh, you could trace back to issues in the rotation. Like it's gonna, it's gonna take uh, what is it? Stupid money, the John Middleton uh, line. But I do think you know what is Jed like? He likes the moves that don't have a whole lot of downside. He doesn't like to go super long on the years. He likes kind of two way, well rounded players uh there are elements such as swing and miss that you mentioned Sahadev that could uh, really help uh turn things up so yeah I think that's the Brett that's a fascinating point there of like was this does this almost reset the clock in a way or you know to where they don't have to go all out because it's not like David Ross on the hot seat and then Jed Hoyer right behind him yeah, and, that, and again, that isn't to say that I don't think the Cubs have things to do this offseason because I, I want to add to your point, Sade, with, with Council saying it's close and then in parentheses, which means they're not there yet. I would add also that they've they've taken a huge step back, right? Naturally, just by virtue of losing Cody Bellinger to free agency and Marcus Stroman to free agency. That's just a fact. So you, we were saying it at the end of the season, the Cubs need another bat in addition to even if they were retaining Bellinger. Now, I think now that we're in the meat of the offseason, I kind of look at that and I think, oh, maybe this isn't a great offseason to actually be able to pull that off. Um, I think that's a big wild they, card they too. Now have, Jed, Jed probably thinks, looks at the at the bats and is like, ugh. <laughs> like, I'm yeah. not spending on that. So, yeah, everybody keep keep that in mind. Um, and then, you know, obviously they need to add 
a, a pitcher now. Certainly, I think I think I could would have could have and would have and did make the argument that they should add more swing and miss before Stroman had opted out. Um, but now you would see adding a starting pitcher as just a straight up need. So um, yeah, that's what lays ahead for the Cubs. Um, we've got rostering deadline today. We're recording this on Tuesday. Non-tender deadline is Friday of this week. Then you've got Thanksgiving the next week. And then the winter meetings come, what, a week and a half after that. And so I think we are, we're getting into that uh, period where things are going to start humming. And now the Cubs have an additional thing that they can pitch to free agents. They can say, hey, and also you'll get to play for the best manager in baseball. Uh, this is on Waveland. It's the Cubs podcast here at The Athletic. I'm Brett Taylor. Uh, you can get my stuff at Bleacher Nation. That's Sahad of Sharma and Patrick Mooney. Get theirs at The Athletic. We will be back at you at some point uh, in the coming weeks. This is just kind of the off-season cadence. It's when big stuff happens and we've got things to talk about. We, we will slide ourselves into your feed. Uh, and until then, we appreciate you and uh, we hope to talk to you again soon. Take care. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10. Place your first bet on any game and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager.